This is Horsin' Around with Broncos insider Andrew Mason. Oh my gosh! Each week, Mace takes you inside the Denver Broncos. I like it! Players, coaches, insiders. Let's go! And of course, with a twist only Mace can provide. Buddy duddies! Now, swag. Here's Orange and Blue 760's Andrew Mason. We're five days in a training camp. Andrew Mason, Ryan Edwards of Orange and Blue 760 here, enjoying the off day from training camp. Not really an off day. We still had our usual three-hour show, first and ten. You can uh, listen to the archive of that on orangeandblue760.com. But still, nice to kind of throttle back a little bit and reflect on what we've seen the last few days. First of all, Ryan, how are you? Doing great, doing great. You're right. It, it's such a whirlwind, those five days, and we were on the air for four of them. Uh, as uh, Saturday was the first day, and we, we watched practice. We were there for it. We had uh, different hits on the radio station, but for the most part, our show ran during practice. So there really hasn't been a lot of time for us to mm-hmm. ever reflect. It was literally like mm-hmm. into the day, into interviews, press conference, next day. And finally today, I thought it was a lot of fun to kind of take a look back, do a little bit of stock watch on the, the players. It was a lot of ups. More steadies than ups. Mm-hmm. The only one that really kind of set stock down on was Brendan Langley, but I think that has something to do with how Isaac Yadam is playing. But it's an early return, right? Yeah. On all these guys, it's an early return. And as you and I continue to note every time, we, we've covered many training camps. There's an ebb and flow. Some guys pop early. Mm-hmm. They fall back to the pack. Some guys take a little bit of time. They start trending up. Tim Patrick is an example of a guy that's, that's really come on the last couple of days. A guy like Cortland Sutton has been great every single day. So it, it's just a different path for everybody. Brendan Langley is an example of a guy right now. Isaac Yadam, the rookie, is ahead of him on the depth chart. That's pretty obvious. He's the first cornerback in uh, outside of the top two with Tremaine Brock down or in, temporarily injured. And, and so that hopefully will motivate Brendan Langley. You hope it motivates him, but at the same time, can he do the technical things necessary to get back on track? I think uh, uh, some of his issues watching him, like still reaching out and, and grabbing a guy, he got called for a holding penalty on one, on one route yesterday. That's the kind of thing that in year two you're expecting to be corrected from year one. We'll learn more over the next few weeks. The preseason games, I think, will be incredibly important in determining the guys on the back end of the roster but, yeah, you're looking for progress from Brendan Langley, and you're, yet you're still seeing some of the same issues that popped up last year. We would have actually seen two stock down guys if Paxton Lynch didn't end up having the Wednesday practice he did. Yeah. It would have been two stock down guys, and everybody else would have remained even if not up. And, and overall, there's more up than, than anything. But it's amazing to think, yeah, Brendan Langley is the, the guy we've been hardest on. But if yesterday's practice hadn't gone the way it did, Paxton Lynch would be squarely in our crosshairs. Yeah, but Paxton Lynch did have a very good day on Wednesday, and he kind of hit the reset button on him this day and everybody going into Friday. But I'd also like to see him have good practices Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because I want to see him string some good work together, show signs that there is progress, that he is more and better than he was last year. I think that's going to be key. I know uh, it builds up to the kind of the quote-unquote summer scrimmage on Sunday. And that'll be important. Actually, I think that period will be important for the entire offense because I remember last year in that summer scrimmage, the offense didn't do much of anything. 
and that's being gentle. Yes. And, <laughs> I mean, didn't do anything. Uh, the panic, the, the the realization that they were so far away, and you you know. We go. With, but we thought, oh, they have a great defense. But they got a great defense. We chalked defense. it up to the defense. Yes, and lessons learned. I mean, at that point, you know, maybe maybe that should have been. But there's there's only so much you can do at that point because the only other thing you could have done is gone out and and spent a lot of draft capital on a new, another quarterback and made a trade, gone gone to somebody, gone to the Patriots and tried to make a trade for Garoppolo or done something to that effect. And maybe it's just too much to give up, especially at that point, thinking that the Patriots wanted two ones. They would have given Garoppolo the Broncos. And probably and ultimately wouldn't have given it to the Broncos anyways. But you know, that was the moment where you really had to say, okay, th- this year this year could be kind of bad. And I don't think we ever thought it would get to that point, but that Did you really think it might be kind of bad coming off the scrimmage last year? I, I was worried that they weren't going to be able to take a step forward from nine and seven mm-hmm. the previous year, and that at, at best they were hoping to repeat what they did. At yeah. best they were hoping to get that same record again. And I talked myself, and like a lot of media members, I talked myself into the notion that a really elite defense with an mm-hmm. average quarterback will get the job done. And then ultimately in the NFL, you need to have you need to have better production than that. Well, the quarterback was an average. In the end. That's true. The Broncos were 31st in the league in passer rating. So Trevor Simeon had been average in 2016 among starters. He was not in 2017. In particular, the fact that the miscues were turnovers. It wasn't simply a lack of accuracy. It was turnovers, early giveaways, and something we've harped on. That's why Case Keenum is here. He played turnover-free ball for most of his time in Minnesota. You're counting on that. And I don't want to put too much into this stat because interceptions do happen in practices. Sometimes you're figuring out what your receivers can do, what kind of balls that they can catch. Can they make a play in heavy traffic or do they need a little bit more space? I know Peyton Manning would sometimes have interceptions in OTAs in training camp because he was testing to see what he could do with his receivers. But Case Keenum has not thrown a pick yet, as a few other people have pointed out. Yeah, he hasn't. And it's not for just because he's throwing dump offs and just because he's he's throwing checkdowns. He's actually pushing the ball down the field, and that's another thing we wanted to see from Case. You you knew he was good in the short to intermediate, but what we want to see is if Case can be consistent in the deep ball because you know what this offense has not had that over the past couple of years, and it may well have that with Cortland Sutton and Demarius Thomas. Now, Demarius Thomas maybe doesn't have the breakaway speed he once had, but he can win those jump balls, and he's made some catches in tight coverage during training camp. But Cortland Sutton, I think, is the one that's continuing to catch everybody's eye. It's funny. I was going to ask you five stars of training camp, mm. and I'll start no particular order. Cortland Sutton heads my list. Well, he has to be. And we've seen great performances from wide receivers before in camp. We've seen we talked about Cody Latimer just on the air. It didn't look this good though. It wasn't this good, and it wasn't to this level of consistency. The fifty-fifty balls, the you know he he's got a little bit better straight line. He's definitely got better straight line speed than Cody, and it just seems like the the instincts, the way he uses his body is. Is beyond a rookie, and and I know that I don't want to get too too hyperbolic, you know, here because I know that we get it a little too crazy, but but the but what we're really watching is is kind of a guy that that seems to be understanding. 
I've got a size advantage. I, I've got I've got advantages that don't that aren't just from college because you know in college and high school you're all, you're an elite athlete. You're mm. going to be better than a lot of guys anyways. But when you get to the pros, oftentimes it gets a little more evened out. He's still ahead yes. of some of these guys, and I think that's what we're noticing. And think about this: Cortland Sutton on a team's third best cornerback. Ooh, because that's what it's going to be. Throughout the season, it's going to be yeah. Cortland Sutton matched up against the third best DB, third best cornerback. How does he not win that? It's pretty true. And and you know what? Uh, we when we take a look at the Broncos and hoping that we have guys start to step up beyond you know your starting two, which the Broncos are solid and they're starting two. Many other teams are like that, and some of them are worse. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. You know they have Fuller as their starter, and then outside of that, it's a it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Why they haven't put in a call to Brashad Breland, who's still sitting out Bizarre. there. Bizarre. Blows my mind. Now, I know they're in, still in some relatively tight sour cap yeah. issues, but still, a lot of teams don't go that deep at cornerback. Most teams don't. Yep. The Chiefs don't right now. The Chargers certainly don't mm-hmm. with Jason Verrett out for the year with a torn Achilles. There may be some opportunities there in divisional play yep. for Cortland Sutton to be a difference-making player right away. Absolutely. And then, you know, again, with, with Deshaun Hamilton, too. I mean, he's he's not necessarily going to always be matched up like that, but he's going to draw some attention as well. He's it's, it's amazing how Sutton has been making these spectacular plays, but Deshaun's been very, very strong, and he came up with one of the best catches in camp, a couple of them. Actually, he's a circus catch, and he had the one where he ran underneath Paxton Lynch's pass uh, on that kind of cross pattern yep. to the right side of the field. Deshaun Hamilton has a very good camp as well. If Cortland Sutton were not here, Deshaun Hamilton would be a breakout star of yep. camp. He's still in my top five. That's the truth. Yeah. And, That's the truth. And it'll be interesting to see how Hamilton and Sutton are used because while Sutton may kind of be listed as the number three receiver as it were it wouldn't surprise me if you are using them situationally like okay third and five from the 50 yard line maybe that's more of a Deshaun Hamilton type mm-hmm. play six yard dig boom get the ball move the chains that's the kind of thing he can do very well simultaneously you're in the red zone yep inside the 10 yard line jump ball jump ball I mean little, little fade route whatever he's done it is very well at that in one-on-ones and team and seven on seven, and he's got a knack for finding some open spots too. I mean, we saw uh, one of the, one of Paxton Lynch's other other good plays here is where he looked off his first read, and Cortland Sutton just found himself wide open, mm-hmm. right in the middle of the the bat the back of the end zone. And I mean, that's just again, you know, why he's been so impressive. Uh, stars, I mean, at this point, I, I think we have to include Royce Freeman. Yep. Now there's expectations locally outside of the Denver market, maybe with fantasy people. <laughs> That Royce Freeman would inevitably be the bell cow back for the Broncos. They're still projecting right now to be running back by committee. We haven't seen anything different than that in camp. Of course, they're rotating in basically every single play a new running back. But Royce Freeman, between not only his power, you saw that in evident in that run to the end zone mm-hmm. yesterday in Wednesday's practice where he he powered through. Uh, who was that? That was uh, one of the safeties. Yeah. I'd- don't recall who off the top uh, of my maybe. head, but he he pow- the legs he pow- keep churning. Yeah, legs keep churning, showing great vision, doing the one cut. He's uh, he's also catching the ball out of the backfield. I mean, he's showing the ability to be a complete running back. So if they do decide to go with a bell cow back, I think he's going to win it. 
wouldn't surprise me if he does and when all is said and done because I look at the running backs right now and there's a lot to like from a lot of guys, but right now Royce Freeman kind of looks like the best blend yes. of overall skills. Yeah, I think that's about right. And then, you know, you mix that in with Philip Lindsay and what he's been able to do early on in camp, showing the change of pace back that we knew he could be once we watched him at the Shrine game. Yep. Uh, it, it just seems like through a, a young core of running backs, they're actually going to find some very interesting chess pieces. Devontae Booker can be a chess piece. Yeah, of course he can. He's making quite a few plays in space as a pass receiver and you know what down and that may well be his strong suit that he ends up making kind of the core element of his skill set completely agree and you know what we we haven't had a chance to talk about this on first and ten but it might be good for Devontae Booker to be in a committee like that because remember when a, a couple of years ago when he was the guy it, it, it didn't always work for him yeah and that wasn't a great situation for him remember they were putting Justin Forsett yes in? By December, they brought him. Yeah, they brought in Justin Forsett because he he just really wasn't built to be that on a consistent basis, and he's bulked up a little bit. And I, I I think the time has helped him, especially coming off of an injury last year. He showed a couple of moments in the passing game last year, but he might be better suited, even from just a mental standpoint, mm-hmm. to have a bit bit of a committee approach and have the opportunities to make plays when he's on the field. I kind of like, think that that might be good for him too. It might be good for him would be good for the entire running back core if they do go on a committee basis. Some days it might be Devontae Booker getting more touches. Some days it might be Royce Freeman. Maybe there's a matchup that you like with Philip Lindsay. Like, okay, and, you know, an outside linebacker who's in coverage and a little bit slow, Lindsay could exploit that. D'Angelo Henderson, Dave Williams, Royce Freeman, Deshaun Hamilton, Cortland Sutton, Going to go to the defense for my other two stars. And these aren't necessarily the best players yeah. on the team, just guys that are really catching my eye in camp. On the defensive side, I could say Bradley Chubb, and he's made some plays and I think he's I know where you're going standing out. But I'm looking more for guys who are kind of surprising a little bit. Yep. Just so, say it. Isaac Yadam. Okay. Yep. That's not the one I thought. And... Even though he's way down. Just and say it. Keyshawn Bieber. There it is. <laughs> you wanted me to say it. I needed you to say it. He's been really good <laughs> once the pads have gone on. He has. He has. And that's what that's that's the difference. And that's a bit of what we're talking about, you know, the trends. Because the pads have come on the last couple of days. And you see guys show a different side. Keyshawn Bieria has shown a different side with the pads on. I just named five draft picks. What does you that say did. about... This draft class, then. Well, and how much they can help right now? Yeah, and that's 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 clearly the point. That yeah, we are talking about training camp, but we didn't project these guys to necessarily be there right now. We, I think, you would hope by the end of training camp, we're talking this glowingly about these guys. I don't think many of us expected within the first five days that we would be saying, "Wow, look at these rookies, and look how much better this team is for." drafting these players and there will be rookie ups and downs of course we know that they're coming and a storyline of this season may well be how well the team rides those rookie crests and valleys that they're going to go through because they're going to be relying on these guys maybe you're not talking about as a full-time starter in the case of guys like Sutton 
Hamilton, even Bradley Chubb, who's done very well so far. But they're going to be key. They're going to have jerseys. They're going to play quite a bit over the course of the year. And there may be a lull or two in there for these rookies. And there may be a rookie wall as some of these guys hit getting into November and December. Well, one guy I want to make sure he mentions, not a rookie, but the words re-energized, rejuvenated, playing as if he was several years younger. Number 10. Number 10, Emmanuel Sanders. My goodness, he's been everywhere. And he he does look years younger. He looks like he did when he got to Denver and was playing with Peyton Manning. He looks inspired. He's got... A high a high quality quarterback as the trigger man, yep. and the timing that Emmanuel Sanders has with Case Keenum is reminiscent of what he had with Peyton Manning yep. in terms of the ball being led to him. He's catching it in stride. He's racking up yardage after the catch because he's able to get to it in stride. And the way they're using Emmanuel Sanders sometimes in the slot, yep. I know it's something that Emmanuel Sanders didn't necessarily want to do at one point, but that could be the window that allows him to have a big, big year because Case Keenum will look to his slot receiver Mm -hmm. quite a bit, and that could open Emmanuel Sanders up for a 100-catch season, perhaps. I mean, the early returns remind me a bit of how he worked with Adam Thielen last year. Yep, It reminds me a bit. They moved Adam Thielen all over the place, played in the slot, played outside, and Case and Adam were on the same page early on. It reminds me a lot of that kind of connection there are a lot of comps that you can make between this offense and the way guys are being used and that Vikings offense last mm-hmm. year when you watch Demarius Thomas or, or Cortland Sutton make a catch in traffic it's reminiscent of Stephon Diggs when Keenum has been able to get timing with Jake Butt in the red zone that's looked a little bit like Kyle Rudolph I'm not saying that I expect Jake Butt to approach 50 55 catches in what is basically his first year since he missed last year due to a torn ACL. But that's the kind of production that you could expect maybe down the line. Maybe this year, 30 or 35 catches from a tight end like Jake. But the pieces are starting to look very similar Mm -hmm. in design and effect to what was around Case with the Vikings. One more uh, star. I'm glad you brought up Isaac Yadam. I think that's a really good one. I mean, the fact that he has ascended to... Basically, the third cornerback right now with Tremaine Brock banged up a little bit and Brennan Langley having a bit of a slow start to camp, that, that ha- that's definitely noteworthy. I've, I've really liked what I've seen with Shelby Harris. I, I, I want to give him a little bit of love. He's been a bad man out there. He has been a bad man. <laughs> and that defensive line looks very stout. You know, we were, I, I think back mm. to last year and, and the injuries they had along the defensive line and, and what really could have been in some ways mm-hmm. if this defensive line can make it through camp and, and continue with the tra- trajectory they're on, that is going to be a force. I mean, I, I, I dare somebody to try to run against them. I, the, the, the pressure they're going to be able to generate in the pass is going to be fun to watch as well with those outside linebackers. And, you know, if, if you're sealing things up the middle and allowing those guys to get around, including Bradley Chubb, I, it, it, it's something to, to just wonder what it could look like and, and how good that could be for the guys in the back end who are trying to create turnovers, trying to, trying to get interceptions. Just the, if the pressure can force errant throws, if – the off opposing offense can be in long yardage situations, needing to throw deep, and then the pass rush gets going and the throw is a bit off. That's tee it up and 
Grip it and rip it time yep. for Chris Harris Jr. and Bradley Roby, which is something you didn't see often last year, and you'd love to see this year. Because well, who knows? that's they, part of the equation for this team to be successful. And who knows? They might actually get to play with a lead once in a while. That would help. But that's also <laughs> on the offense. Yes. On the offense, not turning the ball over, yep. which is why Case Keenum, with no interceptions, even though you don't worry too much about training camp interceptions as long as they don't come in bushels, mm-hmm. that's a good sign. Well, and it's the type of interception, too, yeah. right? I mean, we even in, even in regular season play, it's the same thing. But, you know, in, in practice... It's the type of interception. Like the Chad Kelly interception was a bad throw on his part. Mm-hmm. That was that was him overthrowing his receiver and the safety was just sitting there. Trey Marshall was just sitting there. He didn't he didn't have to make make a play on the ball. If he had thrown an interception where he's trying to fit it into a window, there mm-hmm. was a there was a brief moment or a t- maybe it's a tip pass. Those are those are a little bit different. Those are trying things. You're trying to see what you're capable mm-hmm. of. That so so for me, not all interceptions are created equal. Yeah, and the other thing with the lack of interceptions thrown by Case Keenum, he's not locking on guys. No, he's scanning. He's getting to his second and third read at times quickly, and he's also looking off the safeties. He's doing kind of all the subtle things that a quarterback has to do to avoid interceptions. Whereas last year, thinking back on some of the picks that were thrown by the first team quarterbacks when they were going back and forth, some of them were just. Lock in on a receiver and a keep to leave, or Chris Harris Jr. just read the eyes and then went for the ball. Yep, and you know that that's where you can see sort of stars emerge in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll all of a sudden have uh, guys come up w- coming up with interception in bunches. Lorenzo Doss, Lorenzo Mark Doss. Sanchez, 2016. You, it's like you could read my mind. Maybe <laughs> maybe you and I should be wearing the same shirts every single day, like Steve and I, but. <laughs> but that's 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 the exact name I thought of. Lorenzo Doss looked like the the next up and coming big time cornerback in the league, but a lot of it had to do with the quarterback. I still love the D'Angelo Hall talking about Jay Cutler. Kind of same thing. He could play Jay Cutler like he had in 2010, where he had the four, four interception picks. game, four pick game. That's a good season for most cornerbacks. <laughs> <laughs> and he had it on one day with one guy. <laughs> Incredible. It's like me and Madden. God, I'm having some, I'm having, I'm, having, I'm I'm having some struggles, Mace. I've regressed. Well, Madden 2019 is coming out very soon. Yep. I was actually reading something this morning. I think it was Will Brinson of CBS Sports was talking about having played the entire season on Madden. Came up with a Jaguars-Seahawks Super Bowl. The Seahawks are funny. Uh, I don't know if you saw our guy Ben Albright. He predicted that the Seahawks have the number one overall pick in the draft. I've got to disagree with him. Yeah. On one for one reason and one reason only. I don't think a team with Russell Wilson at quarterback is going to have the worst record in football. Now, if he gets hurt behind that sieve of an offensive mm-hmm. line right now, all bets are off. Yep. But it would take that. If Russell Wilson plays most of the season, say at least 14 games, their floor is probably 5 wins. But mm-hmm. right now, that Seahawks roster it's not very good. And actually, when he posted that, I started thinking, okay, who are the possibilities for the number one overall pick in 2019? Interestingly enough, some of them are teams that have gotten their long-term quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think the Bills, for example, are a possibility to have the number one overall pick. But they've got Josh Allen. I don't think they're picking a quarterback next year. The Jets, although yeah. I think they'll find a way to win six, kind of like they did last year. 
especially if Josh McCown can play close to what he was last year, that's enough to keep them not in contention, but from falling off the radar completely. Cleveland could be the number one overall pick, although at some <laughs> yeah. point, all that things they have to things have to start breaking their way talent wise. Yeah, but there's not really a consensus favorite for that dubious distinction right now. No, not like it's been in years past where we just said it's going to be Cleveland vying for it and not really having a, a close second. I think Arizona could find themselves depending on if it's a if it's a learning year for Rose. Again, they have their quarterback though. They, so they do. wouldn't go yeah. quarterback number 1. No, you know, you're you're 100% right. Although this this next uh batch of quarterbacks isn't going to be probably uh nearly as exciting as this last It's one. an average class. Yeah. That's the thing. Now people are going to probably rip it and when you get close to the draft, but they'll be comparing it to this year. Yes. This year was an exceptional group of quarterbacks. Next year's, it's more on the normal level of what you'd expect. I do worry about your t- Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know what? I was going to say, I do think that if things get out of control down there, they have a hellacious start to the season. Exactly. Saints, Eagles, Steelers. Whew. Yep. And then they would get Jameis Winston back, but what if things are just spiraling out of control down there? I could see with a demanding schedule in a tough division with the Saints, Falcons, and Panthers, all of whom were playoff teams last year, I could see the Bucks being that team that finishes with the worst record this. Well, they did so many they have so many upgrades on the defensive side of the ball. And they have talent. I mean, they've, they've, they've got so talent, talent all over the roster. Yeah. Jason Light, their general manager, just had his contract extended. And he's drafted well over the last mm-hmm. few years. But having talent and getting it all to congeal, that's two different things. Yes. I, I think if you're looking at roster talent, the Bucks certainly aren't the worst, but they may end up being in that conversation for the worst team. And also speaking of roster talent, I think it's obvious when you watch the Broncos at camp so far that this draft upgraded the talent. Oh, dude. <laughs> desperately, and they desperately need it in yes. some spots. Well, because there there is a point with this team where they were teetering on not necessarily being old, but maybe a window closed on what they could be they're capable of. They needed an injection of youth that could be an instant impact, and it had to come in a way where it wasn't just reliant on last year's draft finally catching up. Mm-hmm. And so you need you needed instant impact guys. I mean, we went into the draft, Mace, and we were pretty excited and bullish on a lot of players. But we said, boy, you got you got to come out of this draft with four guys that can impact this year. We we might be talking about five or six. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible you got five or six guys that could that could be impact players this year. You might be talking about this year's draft. And yes, I'm getting ahead of myself. You're probably listening and thinking that. But you might talk about this year's draft being like some of those early John Ralston era drafts mm. that basically took the team from 13 consecutive 500 or worse seasons to a run of success that since 1973, I mean, you can just go through the losing season since 1973. There's not many. You look back at what really kind of launched this Broncos organization, those early drafts, 72, 73, 74, bringing guys like Tom Jackson, Riley Odoms, Otis Armstrong, Randy Gratishar. Mm-hmm. They were money for three consecutive drafts, and it basically started the Broncos and what they are. And I think this year's draft may have the same kind of profound effect 
in terms of reviving the Broncos and ensuring that last year, like those other losing seasons, was an aberration. The only one thing I'll add to that, I, I loved everything you said there, the one thing I'll add to that, because you and I were both a proponent of, of adding a quarterback early in the first, if you got Case right, then that's going to help complement everything you just said about that draft class. But if, you, if, if Case doesn't end up being what we hope he is, then you missed an opportunity potentially yes. to get the quarterback that could have really taken it to another mm-hmm. stratosphere. Now, I love Bradley Chubb. I think he's going to be very good for this, this franchise for a really long time. But but that's the one part about this is like they don't get back there unless the quarterback's right. And they missed. They could have, potentially, missed an opportunity to hit that position or at least give themselves an insurance policy there. And that's just one of many reasons why, for all the players we've talked about, Case Keenum is still the most important player on this roster. Yep. In terms of determining what the Broncos do this year and what they do beyond, what their plans are beyond. If he's Minnesota Case, as we like to say, the Broncos might have solved their problems at quarterback for a long time. For Ryan Edwards, I'm Andrew Mason. We'll talk to you on the next off day from camp on the Horse and Around podcast. This has been another edition of Horse and Around with Broncos insider Andrew Mason. Check out Mace on DenverBroncos.com and weekday mornings at 10 with Steve Atwater and Ryan Edwards. That's how we get it done. We'll see you next time on Horse and Around.